the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, not short of any kind of drama in the Gospel reading this morning, what might illuminate the pages of what happens here on this Sunday of the Canaanite woman is the pericope leading up to it. That is, the, the pages and the text that lead right into this story are dramatic themselves. Christ is there talking to the Pharisees, and they're in a conflict over the fact that they see his men as not following all the laws as they've been prescribed. In particular, the debate kicks off at the beginning of Matthew chapter 15, with them saying, why are your disciples not washing their hands in the way that it's been prescribed to do? And at this point, Christ and them get into a bit uh, of a tussle, an argument. This will begin to illuminate precisely what's going to happen with this woman, because at the end of this argument, Christ is saying, why are you concerned with what they're doing? Don't you know it's what, goes, uh, what comes out of a man and not what goes into him that makes him impure? There kind of gives them a hard time about making up some of the laws, having their own perspectives and own man-made traditions about what's going on there. Then it says he leaves. And he goes to the regions of Tyre and Sidon. Now, if anybody is familiar with these areas, these are modern-day uh, Lebanon, these are places that the Jews would not have had any reaction with any of the persons there. In fact, some of the practices of these people, while we are in their debt for giving us the alphabet, some of those Phoenicians there, it was a common practice also to sacrifice their children. This was something that they did in their societies. So the Jews and them have nothing to do with one another, and the Jews have a very poor opinion um, of those persons from Tyre and Sidon. Certainly they are Gentiles, and certainly they're not persons with whom any Jew would have had an interaction if he wanted to consider himself clean. But after this controversy with the Pharisees, Christ goes into this area. He leaves and goes over to this space, and it says in some of the other translations that he's there to step away from the Pharisees and the Jews. He's obviously worked up their tempers. And while he's there wandering around and with his men, this is the story that's brought to us today. This Syrophoenician, this Canaanite woman, who is not herself Jewish, she's not a follower of the law, she starts calling after him. And according to the text, we know what his disciples say. They say, Lord, just send this woman away. Now that may seem cruel, but that's a, that can be a bit of a misunderstanding. The text could also there be translated that they're saying to Christ, Lord, give her what she wants. Just give us peace. And as this woman is crying after him, what does he say to them? This, right after the conflict he has with the Pharisees, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. A person might hear this and think, well, this is cruel of Christ. But Christ is not cruel. And no cruelty comes from him. The reason that he is saying this, having read that pericope just before this one, is he is trying to reassure his disciples and those following with him that he has not somehow abandoned the Jewish people, that this is the Messiah is not going to be a person who forgets that his first response was to come and rescue these Jewish persons. So he says this, and this, of course, perhaps to some of his followers might seem reassuring. Oh, well, thank God he's just here for us and not for this woman. And yet the woman yells more. Now, certain fathers, St. Theophilact and St. John Chrysostom will say, part of the reason he's doing this is to begin to reveal to the Jews who are following him of the earnest faithfulness of a woman who does not come from their tradition. And so she yells on, you know, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And at this point it says that she comes and she bows in front of him. And what does he say? He says, it is not right to take the bread for the children and throw it to the dogs. 
This also can seem like a harsh cruelty, but Christ is not cruel. He has softened the word dog there to refer to a house dog. You could almost translate it as a puppy. So there's a softness in what he's saying to the Jews who would have referred to people outside of their tradition as dogs. He says to this woman, it's not right for me to give the bread for these children to the puppies, to the house dogs. And this woman, showing extraordinary humility, takes this, and her response is one that has been written down in the pages of Scripture and remembered for 2,000 years hence. Yes, Lord, but even the puppies, even the house dogs, will eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. And at this moment, the whole story has changed. This revelation of this woman's humility and her patience and her perseverance now undoubtedly has certainly pricked the, pricked the hearts even of the followers of Christ. And at this point, Christ says to her, you know, may your daughter be well, the daughter's healed instantly, and this woman's faith is revealed as a great image to us of the kind of faith that we should have. There's no lack of drama in this story. And so a person might go, well, what are we to do with that? Then why is it placed here in the calendar year as we're about to begin Triodion in the coming weeks and then Great Lent? And it would be, if I could just put it simply, this, that we might not forget ourselves. And I'll say something here bluntly. I don't know if there are any persons here from a Semitic background or may have been one of the 12 tribes of Israel or if anybody's from that part of the world. But for anyone in this room who is not a part of those tribes, who does not in their blood call Abraham a father, not by faith, but in their blood, we all have to admit in this room, forgive me for being so blunt, that we too were the dogs at the master's table. That God came to us and spoiled us. That God came to rescue us. As Paul says when he writes, that this God chose to dwell among us and walk among us. And that in coming to us, he made it possible for us to go to him. We may have forgotten our humble state. We might forget how unworthy we were that he came after us. And that so much of the things that we might take for granted now, this tradition, these icons, the hymns that we get to hear, the texts that we read, the seasons that we hold, we've even renamed the days. Monday, Deftera, the second day. Priti, the third day. We renamed the entire week around Kiriaki, the Lord's Day. We can easily sometimes forget that we have been blessed abundantly with the tradition when we were once those dogs at the Master's table hoping for crumbs. But the generosity of the God who's come after us is to say, even to a Syrophoenician woman who comes from a culture where they sacrifice children, whose daughter is demon-possessed, yes, I have come for you as well, and for your daughter, and for the pain and sins of the culture from which you come. Whenever I and my wife have a chance to go to a wedding, or even a baptism, there is some point, especially during the wedding, that my wife will hold my hand, Father Chris and I know that we usually have to go outside for this moment, and we'll begin to think about the service that we just saw. And my wife will say to me, you remember that part of the service? And do you remember this part of the service? When that moment happens, she and I are recommitting ourselves and thinking through what a blessing it is that we're wed to one another. Those vows when they said, it gives this, I don't know, it kindles this fire in us to go, man, we are blessed. How did I end up with this woman? The Sunday of the Canaanite woman is supposed to do the same to us. We hear this story, and I might point out, there is no ethical call here for us to go out and do anything today in this homily. All that the humble priest here is asking for us to do, and 
I think rightly, I think that's what the story is here for, is for us to recommit ourselves. Is for us to cross ourselves and go, thank God for this God of mercy. Thank God. I mean, Isaiah says we were a people who walked in darkness. And Matthew goes further. He says we're a people who sat in darkness. We had nothing, no inheritance. And the God of love, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, has come and dwelt among us and told every one of us that we belong to him. And all that we have to do back is to respond in all humility and patience and love. Yes. Yes. And as a warning, when we leave today, we need to be reminded that what Christ had to say to those Pharisees that started this whole drama is he quotes Isaiah. He says, don't be like the people that Isaiah is talking about and speaking about the past. He says, these people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's a scathing remark. May we not be those people. May we be people who in our hearts and with our lips dedicate ourselves in utter fidelity to this God of love. That we remain thankful that we reapproach all these services and seasons of fasting and commands of God, not with some sense of, oh, this again, but with this great joy of going, I cannot believe we're so blessed that this was handed to us that we might be transformed into Him who was sent to us to rescue us. We are desperately loved by God, the objects of the greatest romance in the history of the world that is the history of the world. And on this Sunday, we're reminded that He loves us, that we should do likewise and love Him back. God be the glory.